Well, welcome. It's good to see all of you here today. And, and I'm glad that we had a first service today because we had 12 of us total. No, I don't think I counted myself. So there was 13, 12 or 13, whatever it was with Jesus and the disciples. That's how many we had uh, this, this, this morning. And I, I appreciate that. One of the reasons that we have gone back to having two services is we're full. And we have no room to invite anybody to church unless some of you give up coming to this service and come at 9 o'clock. So would you help us with that? Would you make that little sacrifice? If, if that works for you, this service is going to be available. And, uh, of course, live stream is happening. And um, there's people outside. And there's people in room 101 overflow, uh, maybe in the foyer today. So we're trying to make sure we can accommodate everyone. And so thank you for considering that. Uh, that that's a great help uh, to us, if you'll do that. Uh, I want you to know uh, that this week I'm going to be at the, some district meetings that take place each year, once a year. And it, it is ministerial uh, studies and credentials for the district. Ooh, doesn't that sound awesome, that kind of a thing like that? What it is, is that people who are called into the ministry come and meet with a bunch of old, ordained elders, like me, and, and we scrutinize their education and their character. And it is important that we do this, because we are qualifying these to be ministers of the gospel in the Church of the Nazarene. So uh, that actually starts tonight and goes through uh, Wednesday afternoon. So I'm, I'm so glad to be a part of that. Uh, it, I was on the credentials board for many years, and for those last four years, I've been on the ministerial studies board. So we're doing all that, and this is my, my last time to do that. My four-year um, reign is, is up uh, with, with this uh, series of meetings. So I appreciate your prayers, because you know what? When, when young people are called into the ministry, it's a huge thing to be called by God to, to full-time Christian service. Some people are not even able to be full-time. They have to work bivocationally. But I know when they're in the ministry, they're working full-time at a couple of different jobs. And so I would appreciate your prayers for, for us as we uh, do this important work this week. And um, that'll be happening um, down at the district office and around. You know, it's interesting that what Jesus said about ministry, about you know serving others, is is very different than the world chooses. Today we're talking about discipleship is a choice. And here's what Jesus said in Matthew 23. The greatest among you must be a servant. And I, and I think about that. And, and, and even in the church sometimes, ministers in the old days, Floyd used to tell me about this, that, that pastors would be at a church for a couple of years, and then they'd try to find a bigger, larger, better church, and they would move. Well, this was not a healthy uh, way to do uh, church with having all these ministerial changes every two years, three years. And, and so we're, we're doing better at that, but you know what the concept is that we need to do better at? It's being a servant. Being a servant. 
Here's what Jesus said. This is Mark chapter 10. And by the way, if you're ever wanting to know the main message of Jesus, it's right here. This is his purpose, his mission statement. Mark 10, verses 43 through 45. And he's talking to his disciples and he says this, but among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. And here it is. This is the mission statement, verse 45. And even the Son of Man, the Son of Man is Jesus' favorite way to refer to himself. Even the Son of Man, even me, Jesus, came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, and I have to tell you about this being first and being last, and, and that's a hard concept for us to get. I, I remember being a youth, youth pastor. We were at a retreat, and we were lining up, I think, for a meal. And you know, there was a lot of pushing and shoving to get to the front of the line. Mostly these big boys, and they were trying to get up in there, and there was pushing and shoving, and, hey, can I have cuts? You know, and, you know, you give cuts, and somebody... And, Pretty soon, some of the people are kind of backing up because the line's getting fatter, not longer. Okay, you understand what I'm saying here? This happens. And so I thought, man, this is not right. So I got everybody lined up and I said, okay, are you happy with where you're at in line? And they looked at me like, what are you, what? what? And, and so what I did is I went to the end of the line and I took them first in to get their food. Colette reminded me that when I did that, the next meal, nobody knew what to do. <laughs> nobody knew how to line up. Well, I guess they missed the point that Jesus said the first is the one who goes last. And when I think about this, where Jesus say, came, he, he said he came to serve others, to give his life. And here's this word, a ransom. To give his life as a ransom. Well, that word ransom is, is a very interesting word because the word ransom in Jesus' day didn't mean what you think it means. We, we think it means somebody gets kidnapped and a ransom is paid, right? Isn't that what you think of? That's not what it was in Jesus' day. In Jesus' day, that was the word that was used when a slave was freed. A ransom was paid. So if the master was going to free his slave, there would be a, a price to be paid. If, if a slave wanted to buy his freedom, he had to save up the little money that he would get and save it and save it and save it until he could redeem himself. He could ransom himself. That's what that word means. And Jesus used that here to say, he is going to pay the ransom for you, for each of us. Jesus paid a ransom for you. The price was his life. And, you know, we, we think about his life being taken. Well, his life was not taken. He gave his life freely because he loved you so much. He wanted you to be saved. It, it's interesting when you, think so, when you think about this giving his life for others, for many 
there, there's a word that's used there, and in the Greek it's the word anti, which includes this idea of a substitution. Jesus became our substitute. This word actually literally means on behalf of many here, or others. So here, this word is used, but it's also used in a very significant place. It's used, Jesus in the first communion. Used there, that I'm giving my life for you, on behalf of you. As a substitute, I am going to die for you. This is pretty big stuff. And Jesus did this for us so that we could live for him. And so we come to the main passage that I want you to see today. Great passage of scripture. Worth your while to memorize this. This is Luke 9, 23 and 24. Then he, Jesus, said to the crowd. Now, that's interesting because this is not just to the disciples. Jesus is saying this to the crowd. And hopefully today we have some people who are discovering who Jesus is and, you know, working out their salvation and, and maybe coming to the place where, hey, I, I want to really be a disciple. I want to be a follower of Jesus. As you see at the top of your bulletin, discipleship is a choice. We have a choice to make. So here's what Jesus says. If any of you wants to be my disciple, my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross daily, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Hey, this is a heavy-duty scripture. This talks about self-sacrifice. The hardest thing for us to do. How do we do this? How do we serve Christ? How do we learn to do this? Three things that I want to point out to you out of this passage. The first one, deny yourself. It says in the New Living, turn from your selfish ways. Now, this does not, this self-denial does not refer to, to denying yourself uh, possessions or, or earthly pleasure. Uh, that may be part of it, but that's not what it's really about. It's about uh, that, you know, following Christ may or may not uh, result in that. But to deny yourself, in, in, the, in the Greek here, this means to refuse things for yourself, uh, to contradict yourself, or what you want. So lately, I went to the doctor a couple weeks ago, and the doctor said, you know, you, you need to do this. You need to cut down on this, the little cholesterol thing here, little sugar thing here. You need to lose a little, little weight. you got to cut down on food, all these kind of things. So I'm thinking, okay, okay, I better do that. And, and I want to I tell you something. When I have a hamburger, which I shouldn't eat anymore, I like to have a Coke. And when I say a Coke, I'm not talking about any soda. I want a Coca-Cola, you know? Pepsi, you know, I can pass on that. Root beer, whatever. But when I'm having a hamburger, yeah, I just need a Coke. I want a Coke. And I'm trying to cut down and not have any Coke. Yep. 
It's not easy to refuse myself, to contradict what I want, because it's better for me. And I'm only talking about physical health here, and probably not a big deal. And I, and I play that game with myself. Well, I haven't had a Coke all this week, so it's okay if I have one now. I did this at your, John's restaurant last week, and he looked at me and said, you're drinking a Coke today? <laughs> he did. And I said, yeah, I'm, 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 I had no real excuse at all. <laughs> but he let me have it. Helping the sinners, you know. <laughs> this means to refuse yourself to contradict what you want to do, what you think is best even. Wow, that's... That's pretty heavy duty. I like it. This is the message Bible version. It says this. Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. That's what Jesus says. Let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Wow. At what point do we move over and let Jesus drive? You cannot lead and let Jesus lead. It doesn't work. You can't go in two directions at once. So the first thing I need you to see here when you deny yourself is to let Christ lead. Probably not you or a lot of heavy-duty dancers, but I'm telling you, two people can't lead in a dance because I've been watching Dancing with the Stars, and I know this to be true, Okay. So for those of you who do dance, you may get that. Some of you are good Nazarenes. You won't get that at all. That's fine. Deny yourself. Let Christ lead. Number two, take up your cross. Now, this idea has a double meaning in it because the idea of take up your cross means two different things in that culture. First, it could mean to follow Jesus unto death if necessary. Now, that doesn't happen very often, but sometimes it does that we follow Jesus to death. We take up our cross. The cross was an implement of torture, an, in, an instrument of death. But this also means to die to selfish desires, to die to selfish ambitions. It's, it's interesting that executioners in that day would force a condemned person to carry their own cross to that place of ex execution, wherever that was. And, and, you know, they had Jesus carry his cross, and he was so weak from being tortured that he stumbled, and they got a substitute, Simon of Cyrene, who carried the cross for Jesus. And Simon of Cyrene got to that place, Golgotha, and he dropped that cross, and he walked away, and Jesus died. Can you imagine the profound impact on his life? That's the impact this needs to have on our lives when we think that we too are asked to take up our cross. So to take up one's cross was to die. To die to self. Sometimes physically, sometimes literally, but always to die to your own agenda, to die to your way of doing things. And as disciples, we have to do this every day. This is not a Sunday-only kind of thing. This is an everyday, daily experience. We die to self. The third thing, so deny yourself, take up your cross, follow Christ. Uh, this Greek term here for follow means to 
to act, literally be in the same way with Jesus or to accompany Jesus to do as he did. See, sometimes we, we think of this, we think it's like follow the leader. So, so I just get behind Jesus and I don't pay attention to anything else that's going around. I just follow him. All I see is his backside, you know. Th that's not really what it means. It means to come alongside of Jesus, to, to be led by his spirit in such a way that, that you're doing the things that Jesus would do. That's what it means to follow him, to be in the same way with him. Now, some follow Christ, and it may lead to death. That's where it led Jesus. But the path of the disciple, even though it may lead there, let me tell you, it certainly will lead to the death of your own way of doing things. Because when you become a disciple, you do it his way. You don't do it your way. Well, you see, what I've done for a long time is I, I, I figured this out. Okay, I'm going to be a disciple of Jesus. I'm going to do everything I can my way for God. Okay, now, don't laugh at that because a lot of you do that. Oh, I'm going to be a good disciple. I'm going to do it my way. One of the first funerals that I did at this church was for one of our church members. His brother died. He lived in the area, and he asked me if I would do the service. And I said, sure. And the last song at that service was Frank Sinatra. I did it my way. And, and I thought, whoa, this is all wrong. Even then I knew it was wrong. Because if we're doing it all our way, if we do it my way, we're not doing it God's way. Even if I'm doing it the best way I think is God's way, it's still my way. Wow. Jesus, I mean, Jesus even said this redundantly. He said, if you want to follow me, follow me. Now, doesn't that seem redundant? What, what is he saying? If you're going to do it my way, do it my way. Not your way that you think is my way. My way. So this leads to the great paradox of discipleship. You see this word that we translate life here? It also can be translated a different way. There are two ways to use this word. This word is psyche. And, and psyche can, can, has two correct meanings. Psyche can mean either life, as it's translated here, or actually it can mean soul. And we think about psyche or being psyched out or psychology. All of these deal with, with our life, our innermost being, our soul. So think about this. To hang on to your psyche, you'll lose it. But if you give up your psyche for Jesus, you will save it. Look at these implications. Save your physical life, and you lose your spiritual life. If you give your soul to Jesus, you will keep your soul for eternity. There's a paradox there. The way to find life is to give your life up to Jesus. So let me, let me just remind you here 
that, that we are not saved by denying ourselves, taking up our cross and following Jesus. That is not the way we are saved. We are saved by accepting what Jesus did on the cross. This is what we do because we're saved. And, and you know, it's interesting. We trust the Savior who died on the cross. He died for our sins. We, we take up our cross when we are saved. And, and the idea here is that the saved then become disciples. You know, we have forgotten this. That once you get saved, you're meant to go on and continue to grow and to learn and to be more and more like Jesus every day. The problem is we have sold a cheap gospel, and especially in America in the last generation. Hey, just get saved and live any way you want. Now, we don't say that, but we sure allow a lot of people to practice that and think they're okay. How many funerals have I been to and, and heard somebody stand up and, and talk about the dear departed one? And I'm thinking, am I at the right funeral? Because this person didn't seem to live as a saved person. And it's hard for me because then I like to slip into being the judge. You know. Uh, by the way, Jesus wasn't call, hasn't called me to be a judge, but... I still use good judgment at times, and, and I hope I do it for his sake. Uh, I'd really like to just not do it at all. That would be better. But when we think about this, what he wants for each of us is to be saved and then become a disciple. By the word, let me remind you, that word disciple just means learner. That's all it means. you just a daily student of Jesus, becoming like Jesus. So this message is about discipleship for those who are already saved. First we become children of God, and then we become disciples. You don't automatically become a disciple if you quit learning. You stop being a disciple when you stop learning. It's an ongoing, continuous thing. All right, now I want to point out a couple things here. that If you're a disciple... You have a choice. Discipleship is a choice. So if you're taking notes today, write this down. Here's the word. Disciples have a choice. And here's the word that Jesus uses. If. If. He says, if. I mean, this word has huge implication. And it's such a little word. Jesus says, if you want to follow me. There is a choice for you. If you choose to follow Jesus... It's your choice. Now, if you choose to follow Jesus, then that's why Jesus says, hey, look, if you're going to follow me, follow me. If you're saying I'm saved, then you should be following Jesus. Because the next word that Jesus says that I want you to make sure you get is that disciples have no choice. Disciples have a choice if Jesus gives you that choice, if. But once you say, yes, I want to follow Jesus, then you have no choice. Because the next word he says is must. You must. If you want to, then you must. You must turn from your selfish ways. You must take up your cross. And you must do this daily. And you must follow me. That's the way to be a disciple, to follow Jesus. Not to get saved one time, way back when, and think, okay, I'm fine but to live every day as a follower of Jesus. 
That's what discipleship is. It's a choice. But once you make that choice, there's things you must do. So, for disciples. Disciples have to live a certain way. Disciples have to say things a certain way. And sometimes they have to say no. No to yourself. We say no to ourselves. Not simply to pleasures and possessions, but no to things that I want to do that may or may not be God's will. They may be fine, they may be good, but we say no to those things. Disciples have to say no sometimes. Now, I know that some of you are very good about saying no when I say, hey, would you serve on the church board? Or would you allow your name to come up for election? Like, so thank God for those who allowed themselves to be on our ballot today. Some of you, you know, would you work in our nursery? Would you work in... Some of you are so good about saying no. That's not exactly right. Because if I want you to do it, it must be God's will. (laughs) We're going to have to take that out. Oh, it's live stream, isn't it? (laughs) The other thing that we have to say to Jesus is yes. Yes to being like Jesus. We are to say yes to identify with him and... And, to sur- and this, this has three ways that we do this. The first one is surrender. We say yes to surrendering our life to Jesus. We say yes to even when it calls us to suffer. And even when there is sacrifice. Let me, let me tell you something that, that happened quite often. Um, a lot of times when I was a youth pastor, particularly in larger churches, we'd have these big youth choirs that'd come through. And maybe there'd be like a hundred in this youth choir. And, you know, you'd think we were at a pretty large church. It would be easy to house all of them. But it seemed like we were always begging people to take somebody home. All you had to do is take them home, give them a bed, uh, feed them breakfast, let them have a shower. That was, that was kind of it. And yet it was so hard to get people to do that sometimes. And then I heard this message, and and this pastor from another country said that they had talked about what it meant to be a disciple. And all of a sudden these people were coming and saying, hey, I want to be a disciple of Jesus. I want you to have my house. And all of a sudden, the church is getting all these houses. Well, that's not working. What do we do with this? So they said, no, no, no. You keep your house, but whenever we need your house for the church, you just make sure it's ready. So you be the steward of your house, and whenever we need it, you be ready. So if we have guests come through, we can just call you up and say, hey, we have guests, and you'll say, send them right over. Boy, you better keep your house clean, right? And I I heard that message, and I thought... Wow, that's, that's the way God wants us to live. Holding loosely to the things we think are ours and making them available to God. When we say no to ourselves and yes to Jesus in this way, everything we have is His. And you know, we get tripped up on, you know, on Sundays I follow Jesus, but the rest of the week I'm not doing so well. In this passage, Jesus says this is a daily activity. Each of us do this every day, not just on Sundays. I have this in your notes. Discipleship is a daily discipline. Disciplines are things that you do even though you don't want to do them. 
when you want to have a Coke and you don't, that's discipline, all right? And with this daily discipline, we follow Jesus. We follow him a step at a time. We follow him one day at a time. I heard about this weary cleaning woman. I mean, she was just done because she was cleaning and she had to take on extra shifts. And so she was working every day and, and, and she was cleaning. And she said, the trouble with my life, the trouble with life is that it's so daily. But she was wrong. You see, one of the very best things about life is that you can take it one day at a time. You don't have to do it more than just a day at a time. As a matter of fact, you want to break that down. If the day's getting too much for you, just take it a moment by moment. That's the way to follow Jesus. You get to decide. You get to choose. Choose to take a step closer to Jesus, to walk with him, accompany him, one day, one moment at a time. This morning, we're going to be sharing in communion. And I want you to know, uh, if you're watching online, you're welcome to uh, have communion with us. Quick pause and go grab something to share communion with. Uh, anything to drink and a little piece of bread will do. We have some for you, and my lovely assistant is coming around. If you need uh, communion elements, just lift your hand, and she will present those to you. I want you to know today, communion is for disciples. Because Jesus used this to illustrate what his followers would do. They would remember him and do the things that he had done. Now, communion reminds us that Jesus died, it is his broken body and shed blood that is represented in these elements. In the Church of the Nazarene, and in our church, communion is open to anyone who considers themselves a believer. So, if you were saved in 1959, great. But is your salvation current? Is it fresh? Really, to, for the illustration today, it's anybody who considers themselves a disciple a follower of Jesus. Communion also reminds us to receive this sacrifice that Jesus made and to live for Jesus, not for ourselves. So I have a question for you. If this life is most important to you, you'll want to do everything you can to protect your life the way it is now. You will not want to do anything that might endanger your safety or your health or your comfort. Now, I don't think this means you should just take off and go bungee jumping or, uh, you know, do, uh, you know, hang gliding or, you know, any of that kind of stuff. I mean, be sensible, okay? But understand, by contrast, if you're following Jesus, if that's most important to you, then you just might find yourself in unsafe places, unhealthy places, uncomfortable places. I mean, if Jesus tells you to go skydiving, go. I mean, I, I don't know how you witness on the way down, but boy, you sure want to make sure you're saved by the time you get to the bottom. You, you may risk death, but, but you will not fear it because you know 
that Jesus has got you, that He holds your hand. He will, he will raise you to eternal life. And I want you to know nothing materially can compensate for the loss of eternal life. We chase after all kinds of things, and we think somehow that God owes us life with many possessions. It's kind of the American Christian way. We owe it to ourselves. Well, guess what? As a disciple, it's all to Jesus. I surrender all. Now, when we sing that, what I must say is we don't really mean it. But sing it like you mean it, and wow, that's a significant thing. That's the way God wants us to live. That's the way some of us are choosing to live. And I want us all to take that step closer to Jesus today. And we can, we can do that with communion. Now, Jesus' disciples are those who use their lives here on earth, not for their own pleasure, but they spend their lives serving God and serving people. So I have to ask you today, are you one of those who has discovered the most fulfilling way to live and to use your life by being a disciple of Jesus? It's the best way to live. It's the only way to live eternally. But it's your choice. Be one of those. Choose to receive this communion and know what it stands for. Not just Jesus dying for you, but you living for him. Not just him being broken, but him breaking the bonds of sin and temptation and even the good things like Coca-Cola that would get a hold of your life. And so we come to this moment to share what Jesus shared with his disciples. We have here a small little container, and on the top there's a little piece of cellophane and so you need to just peel that off very carefully, just the very top layer, the clear layer, and expose a little piece of bread. Now, I want you to tell you this bread is not much. The flavor, uh, the consistency, even the size of it, I mean, you'd have to eat a lot of these to have any sustenance at all. By the way, I had a sandwich the other day, and the bread was so good. It was, it was a hamburger made on a, uh, on a French roll. Oh, so good. Probably shouldn't have a hamburger. And, and I didn't have a Coke either. I had a blackberry milkshake. But, um, <laughs> and I wasn't thinking of Jesus when I was eating that stuff. I wasn't thinking of my doctor either. But I want you to know, Jesus wants us, every time we eat bread, no matter how good the bread is, don't focus on the bread. Don't focus on this bread because it is not good. It doesn't taste good. It's bland. It's not meant to be a pleasure. It's meant to be a sacrifice. And so when we eat this bread, we're signifying that I accept your broken body, that you died for my sins, Jesus, and that I want to live for you. So he took the bread, and he broke it, 
And he thanked God for it. Thank you, Lord, for this little piece of bread. It's not much, but it represents something fabulous, something great, something beyond our own ability. It represents our giving our lives to you as you have given yourself to us. Thank you, Lord, for this bread and all that it signifies. You may eat the bread. Jesus also took a cup. And this was kind of a Thanksgiving dinner that he was having, Passover, with his disciples. And so this is probably the most dangerous part, trying to peel this little thing off to expose a little bit of juice. A little cup of juice that represents his blood. The image is that his blood covers our sins. And so we have the ability with our sins forgiven to live differently. To not go back and sin again and again and again, but at some point to grow and become more like Jesus so those sins don't trip us up, so those temptations don't continue to get to us. So when you take this little cup, realize it represents the blood of Christ. And it's covering your sins, all your past sins. You know, it covers all your future sins too, but the best thing is to live in such a way that you have less future sins. That's what it means to be a disciple, to learn. And you may not be able to do this on your own strength, but the power of the Holy Spirit will help you. And so as we receive this cup today, we are thankful for what it represents. And may it remind us to live differently because of what Christ has done, and because we choose to follow him. Thank you, Lord, for this cup, for your blood, for your sacrifice, and that we can live differently like you because of what you did for us. May it be so, Lord Jesus. Amen. And so this concludes our service for today. But it does not conclude our responsibility to take what we've learned, to hold this scripture in our hearts and to do it. Uh, we're going to just pray in a moment and be dismissed, but I, I particularly want to pray for our election and for our church, church as we move forward. And so if you are a member here, uh, you have a chance to vote. If you've already voted, I want you to know we did pray first hour over uh, the whole election. But I, I want to pray with you for this election. Uh, this is an important year for our church. Uh, we're going to be in a transition. We're going to be selecting a new pastor. Uh, the, the church has uh, new board members that are going to be a part of all of this. And all of that, uh, it's a big year. It's, in, it's an important year. And so I, I do appreciate your prayers. Um, if you're not a member and you want to become a member, uh, just send a note to the office and we'll take care of that. We'd be glad to have you uh, learn what that's like and, and become a member of this church. But as we do this, we sure want God's will. We don't want to do this our way for God. We want to do it God's way. So that's why we 
have this significant time of prayer for that. So I invite you to bow your heads with me. Lord, I just thank you for what it means to be a part of your family, the church. And that word church means that we're called out of the world and we're to live differently. Lord, we need your help to do that. We need the power of your spirit. and We need to do it your way. And so, Lord, I thank you for all of those who have given so much service to this church, many people over many years in the past. Thank you for their service. Lord, be with those. I thank you for those who are serving right now with our kids, those who will be serving with our preschool and and nursery as that gets going, those who are working with our youth. Thank you, Lord, for each of them. Bless them as they do that for you. And Lord, I just pray. I pray that as this church goes forward, that its best days would be ahead and there would be many people come to know you because of the faithfulness of these disciples who meet together to love one another and love the world. May you make it happen by us following you and doing your will. Thank you, Jesus. Go with us and may we be the church out there for everyone who needs you today. In your wonderful name, Jesus. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.